I have officially hit record and I think you probably heard me going <laughs> as I was also sipping a beer inadvisably <laughs> at the same time. Was it crisp? A crisp sip on the beer? It was it's a very it's a it's a citrusy and sessionable California IPA from Sierra Nevada. Ah, lovely. Um lovely is right. Uh, can I just throw up before we even start? Look, you know what? Were I understood that reference. This is episode 38. And it's a podcast about movies and games and films and comics and everything in between. Rob, how are you, buddy? Uh, how are you now? That's us. That's the gang. Rob and Ross coming at you with uh, pop culture. I'm doing well. Doing fine. Looking forward to some, we actually got some, which is rare these days, we got actually a bit of moving news, we got some gaming news, and we got some a fun topic to talk about, so we actually, I feel we have a really well-balanced episode coming up, and it'll be crisp, very crisp. And citrusy, and sessionable. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just want to say a shout out, actually, because a few colleagues of mine from work uh, got me loads of beers because it's my birthday coming up, and I just want to say thanks, guys, because they are delicious. Uh, uh- Oh. I mean, I think about maybe one of them listens to this podcast, but that one person, they'll feel pretty special right now. I, I, that's actually quite crafty of you to use your uh, colleagues as a vehicle to remind me that your birthday is coming up. Very effective. I like it. <laughs> and also very effective that you said the word crafty when referring to craft beers. I mean, look, this is why we have a podcast about movies and films and games. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it works. It's, it, it's a big umbrella term, I feel, for our whole existence at this stage. So, look, I just want to cover really, really quickly before we jump into our topics. Uh-huh. Um, we actually made it back into the, the, the September's uh, Hot Top 50 podcast. The hot, the hot Top. The Hot Top. The Hot Top. Hot hot Top. But, look, it's great. It means people are voting for us. People are people are getting us in there. So, really appreciate that. Thanks for that. I think Thank we were at 24, 24, 24, which is excellent. Top 25, baby. That's a top 11. That, you know, your classic top 11 place that we've done. And we've also now done a top 25. Look at us go. I mean, that's pretty good, that's all things considered. Good. That usually we forget to even put that on Twitter to vote for us or anything. So I'll, look, I'll, I'll, I'll take <laughs> yeah, it, man. That part. So where do we, So now we're, we're one of the hot top podcasts, and we're also one of the best uh, Italian podcasts, I think, still. Number 10, you know it. <laughs> <laughs> I really should have uh, learned more Italian for this episode. Yeah. But I mean, we'll, 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 maybe next time, maybe next time we can do a, we could do a 20-minute segment all mm. in, in our four Italian accents. I'd like to break into the Slavic countries personally. But we'll we'll save that for another day. <laughs> that's our new podcast goal. Just just to, to break into the Slavic countries if that's possible. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Thank you. But uh yeah, thanks so much for that guys. It's really cool. And the mm. podcast magazine that run it, uh they're actually going to do a podcast, as far as I know, about the top no. charts. And I think they might even be, be putting some of our stuff in there, which oh, would be oh. so awesome. But that look, would be who fun. knows? That might not happen either. So <laughs> let's not let's just not jump the gun just yet. Yes, I agree. Also, as usual, we have a bingo game. You can It'll be on Twitter. It's on our website. You can play along with the episode, see how you get on. We don't know what's going to go because we don't plan these things. No. But anyway, that's absolutely fine. Oh, you Rob, did the click. Is that on it? Is the click? Is the finger click in it? I could do a new one. The finger clicks will get in. Uh, but uh, okay. shall, we, shall, we, shall we move on in then? Shall we just absolutely. get, a, get a all, all steam ahead? Let's, let's do this. Okay. Uh, I, do you want me to drive us into the first avenue of conversation? As it were. Do it. Uh, God, I bloody waffled my way through that intro. <laughs> right. The most significant piece of movie news, I feel, that's worth talking about uh, this week, is Dune. Or June. Um, hey, June. There's a trailer for this 
Uh, <laughs> hey June. Hey June. There's uh, a that caught a, me off guard. <laughs> good. So there's a trailer that was released I think yesterday um, for the for the Denny Villeneuve um, epic sci-fi epic that t- the first of an epic two-parter uh, featuring Timothy Chamal- Chalamet as Timonte Chamalone as Paul Astraides or Astraides. I don't know how to pronounce it, but this is I guess the second major attempt at. Uh, transposing the book the classic book by herbert what's his name to film frank herbert isn't it is it frank herbert i'm actually i believe so because that game that was really successful after the film frank herbert's dune was what it was called so oh god you're 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 a wealth of knowledge you crafty little bastard um (laughs) (laughs) all right so this looks interesting to me i'm not gonna lie um i have not read the original book the source from which it's based nor have i read or, or watched the the 1984 is david lynch fest that <laughs> they made 35 years ago um but i am interested because it's rare these days i feel that we get like one of these massive sci-fi epics from like you know beloved source material like they pumped a lot of money into this this is probably a big gamble but also because it's denny Villeneuve, he's got a really consistent hit record for like good films and he particularly knows sci-fi if you've seen arrival or the latest blade runner that's some great stuff yeah epic cast very atmospheric big old sandworm in there my uh, me oh my look at that boy i mean that's what june is famous for to be honest is yeah. it sandworms so you're kind of and the trailer knows that so at the end like i built it up oh, it's yeah. also famous for uh sting it's sting isn't it who's in the original He's like this red-headed maniac in it. I looked yes. up I just before this to get an appreciation. I'd seen the trailer before. I've never watched the, the full movie, but I rewatched the trailer before this. And man, it is mental looking. <laughs> so so that's, I, I actually did the same thing because I haven't seen the original either. But as a point of reference, I was like, let's just look at them both side by side. And it's an interesting, like seeing the comparisons and like there's a certain yeah. things you can see similar, like your man is a, a wire coming from his nose. That's obviously a big thing in the book. But as somebody who hasn't seen the film, it's just like, that's funny. That's a thing that I can see in both of these films. I Yeah, actually already people have stitched together clips from the original and this new trailer to show you how similar certain shots and kind of even like, I guess, the production and sort of the costumes and sets and things are, which is, I it's interesting because they don't have to base it off that film. They have the whole book that they can decide to base it off. So it's interesting to me that they're almost paying homage to this other film which wasn't even critically revered it's just become a cult classic but yeah but i guess they have to i guess it's got such a status that they do have to pay some kind of a nod to it yeah i mean kyle mclaughlin should rock up and people are like who's that guy i remember he used to be in films oh that's that guy he's in some things that i'm vaguely aware of isn't he he's in agents of shield is he really actually he is yeah (laughs) i wasn't (laughs) expecting that's go. hilarious i was gonna say he's in is it desperate housewives or a sex in the city perhaps i don't know what that says oh, about i used Arkham to notice i used to notice and i think it might be sex in the city but it's is probably it? desperate housewives uh well i still think that favors you that answer because you came up with a, a comic related answer and i had a different genre of tv show as my comparison but look hey patrick stewart's in it too in the original <laughs> so that's another actor that we can relate to but um, yeah, just it's isn't it interesting that they're leaning into the old one a bit, which is fun actually because they're just putting a modern spin on it. But what is your interest level now that you've seen? 
the trailer. So, so, so the trailer itself. I'm gonna be real. Oh God, I sound so harsh all the time. Yeah, you do. The, the, the trailer. The, I'm not like, oh my God, that looks amazing. I have to see it. I will go see it, hundred percent. I have so much faith in the director Dennis Villeneuve because I loved, loved, loved Blade Runner twenty forty nine uh, Arrival. I, at first, I didn't love it. Watch the second time. My God, so much more that film just clicks at you when you see it a second time. He's a visionary director. I like. I love his cinematography. He just takes time with shots, spills yes! things very slowly. Yes, loves Sicario. Let scenes breathe. He lets them breathe. It's not all like an. You kind of get a sense of like the environment of where they are and like how it, then how when a plane says a scene plays out, you know where they are in relation to what's happening. It's all just it's just more transparent. But sorry, not to no, 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 because you're completely right. And like some shots, even Arrival had some shots of just the first time you see the spacecraft. Blade Runner 2049 yes. has lots of them that just linger that little bit longer than maybe the, like other films let it. And it just feels, it feels like it gives a scene a lot more gravitas. I always liken it to that scene mm. in The Prestige when you first see, do you know, the, the box that David Bowie character, the Tels- Nicholas Tesla creates and leaves. Yeah. And yeah. the first time that box comes on scene, screen the scene just like lingers on it and you get really unsettled and that's what Dennis Villeneuve does for a lot of his scenes and it works so well and the trailer from what I could see looks like it's doing the very same thing there's like a scene where you kind of the sky looks like it's on fire which is a line from the original trailer and you kind of you know you you can see you're like okay this is going to be this is going to be a very visually astounding movie which I like but I don't know just something about the rest of it, look, maybe I just need to see it actually as a film. But the trailer, I, I wasn't like, if I had just seen this trailer without knowing anything else about it, I wouldn't be like, holy, holy crap, I want to see it, you know? But that's that's absolutely fine. That's There's nothing wrong with that, like. Yeah. I think what that, so what's interesting is that, like, I don't think people have an appreciation for this world. It's not like people know off, like, immediately who the main cast are, like they would with, say, a major comic book serial or something like that. It's, it's, it, it's, it, it has to do a lot of heavy lifting now before release to make sure people feel like they're interested enough to see it. And I think that's why a lot of people didn't see... Like, Blade Runner 2049 was brilliant. People who saw it loved it. But it was made on the assumption that everybody was incredibly familiar with the Blade Runner world, which was ambiguous enough at the best of times to begin <laughs> with. So people... Which has, like, 16 versions of it, which tell actually have different endings. Like, So you've already got that to contend with. There's that, so that's already muddled, and then like obviously Dune is a the original film is a cult classic, which people are only some people are only vaguely aware of, and like they're not as aware of the world through the books. I think to the same extent of say Lord of the Rings or something like that. That's that is an older novel, but has that same sense of epic and scale. So it's kind of, I would love to. I want this kind of thing to be a success because I want them to make more of these kinds of projects. So I love this kind of. Uh, mysterious uh, sort of vague sci-fi stuff i think it's always very interesting but they have a they have a big ask out of them and like they've but they committed to it because they've they shot i think the two films back to back because each each is like two and a half hours long or something so yeah they've definitely they've definitely committed but like you i'm the same i want this film to succeed i actually because you know what it's great to see i know it's not it's not a uip because obviously there's a film done before many years ago but it seems to be a fresh a fresh breath of an ip because people are moving so much toward comics nowadays that every second film mm. has a superhero or a superhero leaning so it's good to see like this film is like feels like it should be released 10 years ago before the superhero boom you know what i mean like oh yeah because people would have had that they would have been hung like they would have been hungry for that kind of scale but now they don't have it but like 
it, it, I think as long as he doesn't make it too ambiguous, sort of, you know, the themes and everything, and makes it a little bit more palatable for, like, the general viewer, because I think that might have been, that's sometimes the complaint with his stuff, he's too obscure, <laughs> so people are like, like, I thought it was, like, I was interested and fascinated, but I hadn't a fucking clue what was going on, so you can't... Rival, the first time I saw Rival, yeah. I came out of it, and I didn't like it. When I watched it again about <laughs> two months ago, I was like, oh, wait a second, <laughs> wait a second... This is this very, is very good. very good. Like, I could appreciate the, the, what it was doing the first time, but the, I didn't like the ending. Mm. But you know what? It made sense. Made sense when I saw it this time. Yeah, exactly. But let's, like, look at the cast. We've got Timothée Chabalamale, uh, Rebecca Ferguson, Oscar Isaac is in there, Josh Brolin, Stella Skarsgård, Dave Bautista, Zendaya. Uh, yeah, anyway, not to, not to, not to, you know, divert but um who else is this <laughs> no what i will say is that aquaman is it um, I, I know i always forget his name but oscar isaac like i've always i've always talked about it, even on this podcast i always say how good he is in uh, ex machina so when he's given a nice like kind of meaty role in maybe something that doesn't seem like his leading character type i think he excels at it i think he doesn't excel when he's giving this star wars-esque just you know be an action film hero i don't think he likes that i think you can tell by him i mean he was in drive he was very good he was in uh, x machine yes. very good i think he plays this kind of unusual background role probably better than he plays a lead heroic stoic role like yeah when they give when the characters he plays are are mysterious and their background is is very sort of hazy and unknown it makes it i think he kind of he creates a facade for the character. You're like, oh wow, what's going on there? What's what's behind his eyes? He always looks very interesting, like he's hiding or withholding. And a did lot my does my in a eyes very effective c- way. C- c- like deceive me? Did I see St- Skarsgård from Chernobyl? Stellan Skarsgård for like one is scene. Yeah. I was like, that's definitely him. But that looks like a character it, who was in the trailer for the original film, who seems to play a pivotal role. So I guess we'll find out. Yeah, the big fat floaty that's, guy who like whips around like guy. a a thing. Yeah, yeah, it's it's all it's very weird. It's oh, very it's, weird. It seems mad, thing. but I'm okay with mad. Yeah, no, I anyway. I think if he makes it a little bit more approachable versus other stuff, this is Villeneuve that I'm talking about. And yeah, you know, I think I think he's awareness of like how interesting that as a as a world it is. But don't make it too fucking weird because people won't go to see it then. Yeah, make him make <laughs> like it. you have to put you have to you have to pair it back a little bit. Well, I mean, this franchise is known for being weird, but look. Either way, I'm going to go see it. I have faith in this director. 100%. So much faith. Yeah. So I'm okay with it. Even if the trailer didn't sell me. Perfect. Well, there you go. I think that you're probably actually in the, the majority there. What do you think? I, I thought it was... Geez, I thought people were lapping this up. Again, it's not that I have Asher a big issue. Theories. It's just that it's... And it's fine. It's just a slower trailer, which is absolutely fine. Which that's why I'm not worried. I'm not like, oh, no, no. I'm just like, look, some films... Oh, no! Oh, no! Some films... You said, that's like a worried... Um, uh, Jesse Eisenberg. Jesse Eisenberg. <laughs> <laughs> nice. nice. Right. Oh no. So that's that's June for now. That I was trying to make that sound like yeah. done for now, but that did not work. Um, yeah. And June and Dustin. There you go. That works much better. So now we're going to move on to. It's kind of Sony at the moment are, are are having this big PSVR event. So if you go onto the PS Store right now, the sales up there are ludicrous you know really are so They're sony class. seems to be trying to push it for this month and we talked about vr before because rob had just got yes. it and we were kind of like introduction to it and we said we would come back to it now we've had a little bit more experience we've actually had been played a few multiplayer games together in vr oh so I think, and we're back oh i think it's a good time maybe to to kind of segue back into it 
talk about our experiences with VR, how we feel about it now, if you feel it's progressed, mm. what do you think? And so, so Rob, I'm going to put some questions to you as you're the more <gasps> inexperienced one, shall we say, with VR. Oh, how Sounds dare like you. I'm talking about some weird, messed up kind of VR stuff I've watched, but I'm not unusually in this case talking about that. Um, <laughs> just in this case. But Rob, <laughs> now that you've had a bit more experience with VR, what, ha, have your initial thoughts changed on it? Have you have you warmed to it a bit more? Do, do you see that you appeal to PSVR more or do you think that it's still somewhat ineffectual at what it's trying to do? Um, I, I think we commented on this last time, but it's actually remarkably effective as a multiplayer device. Uh in other words, not on, not just online when you're when there's other people with VR headsets or not, uh, but in a room full of people, there is nothing more entertaining than <laughs> watching someone struggle in a world that doesn't exist with a big headset on. That's entertaining for the outside audience, and I've realised they started to create a lot of games that cater to that sort of segment of it as well. And then the other half of that is what I've realised is that people have started. I think that they've oftentimes I think companies and developers have seemed to suss that. Um, creating a new VR game from scratch sometimes isn't necessary. Sometimes there's a world that's already ripe for adapting to VR where possible. And I think some of the best experiences I've had have actually come from those kinds of scenarios. Um, and not to immediately cut to probably what you were getting to, but um, having now delved into the No Man's Sky VR experience, it's kind of changed the game in terms of my appreciation for what or how playable I feel it can be or like, you know, what's the game I'm going to choose to play that evening. It actually... You know, not only does it build on an, not only is it not a gimmick for an existing game, it completely builds upon that entire uh, experience and makes it all the better for it, um, which I was not expecting. Um, I I still feel like the technology for the PSVR specifically, like the we only have a version one, they only have one model that exists. The resolution and kind of the the viewing area is certainly on the lower tier in comparison to other things. So the tech definitely has room for improvement but as an entry-level vr thing that you can just plug into a console i'm pretty impressed i have to say i'm, I'm a i'm a satisfied customer it's it's I'll, it's, I'll it's it interesting because you actually brought up what i was going to talk about there which is the vr trajectory because when the vr started it seemed like everything was an on-rails shooter or an escape game simulator you know and and a gimmick like oh, a demo a gimmick, completely like not, not a full game they're just like it's like duck shooter or something you know the like like a carnival your game. stationary yeah, it's like absolute shite stuff. Literal shite stuff. And that's what really put me off the VR. Or like, everything's a roller coaster. Have you seen this roller coaster? Maybe try this roller coaster. So I was like, okay, I was a little bit hesitant. But now mm. you can see that. Look, because the, the, the it's obviously at the end of its life, which is very short, but, but these kind of peripherals, you have to expect that. But now, like you said, they've learned to adapt existing games to work within a VR framework. So you have Minecraft is about to be released and I think that's going to be a huge uh, get for the PSVR because people still Massive. love that game to this day. Huge player base who'll want the VR experience, not the other way around where people feel like they have to buy VR to play exactly. games. Exactly. Like it's, it's a different sort of shift to the whole sales funnel, we'll call it. We'll get technical. Forgive me. What was it called? The sales funnel? The sa- sales funnel for the VR is now the bigger games that already exist and have a player okay. base. I feel like and I'm learning them into VR. On this podcast. Yes. Yes. Listen, learn, deliver. <laughs> That's the, the life motto. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I like that. Listen, learn, deliver. Time to change things, Ross. You're not just going to be an alcoholic drinking crap beers in your room anymore. 
<laughs> well, you can be that too if you want to. That's my aim. But I don't so. encourage it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so anyway. you can see what Minecraft is like. People will actually now decide to buy a VR. Like it's a killer app to use my game lingo. Now look at that. Ironically, oh, though, filthy it's figure. a killer app that arrives at the end of a console's life, which is very strange. But look, VR was always an experiment. But the two things that have changed are that's the yeah, full games that are already out now work with the VR. No Man's Sky, there's Minecraft, which is going to be huge. Uh, there is another game that I'm trying to think of that I had. Borderlands 2 VR came and like apparently it's amazing. And that was a seven, eight-year-old game. The other thing is that it yeah. changed to, like you said, experiences that people could watch somebody else do that would be funny like richie's plank experience is a perfect example yes you watch somebody great one. walk a plank and fall off and watch the reactions as they fall off and that's that's essentially the game but it's an event it's an experience that you can social media and you can record with your thingamabob and put up places <laughs> record with your thingamabob and your huge flip that's a very deep cut reference for anybody who listens to that one i i think as well they've it's forced people developers to be quite clever with Okay, we most people are only going to have one headset. You're going to plug one headset into the console. So how do you involve everybody else in the room? So keep talking. Nobody nobody explodes. That you introduced me to is I haven't played it, but that's a really clever concept where you've got one person defusing a bomb using the headset and controllers, and then they've then the rest of the room have instructions that they have to relate to the essentially the operator who who of the the headset. And that's those kinds of games are doubly clever because that's a, like. Even if you're doing couch play, you're still limited by the number of controllers you have. But with that kind of stuff, everybody can be involved no matter how many people are in the room, which is actually kind of where it's quite versatile. Against what you would normally think. That game is so clever because there's now a version for the mobile phone in that, which is fine, but you can't beat that experience of putting on a headset, thinking you're in a room with a bomb and having people from the outside world shouting instructions at you. Like, there's no more... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> clay scene of a reality and change of reality that's like that's how you do it you know what I mean because like like you said with No Man's mm. Sky we were saying this offline that because a lot of No Man's Sky you're in a cockpit it works particularly well for VR because you're already sitting in a sitting position you just feel like you're mm. swapping your chair for a cockpit chair or whatever you know so that works so that that No Man or the keep talking no one explodes works so well because you're just sitting in a room looking at a bomb and then you hear people being like Press the red wire if there's three exits. It's just, it's such a fun, such a fun experience. Which is a standard Saturday scenario for most families anyway. Because, particularly these days, looking for any bit of excitement. And you're like, well, this is a great way of mixing things up. Actually, speaking very quickly again of No Man's Sky, another great example of like how fun it was when we were playing <laughs> is just the sense of, like, so listen, one of the, we were playing in this, we were in this pretty space station. <laughs> And because we're in VR, obviously, other players in this, like, sort of multiplayer sort of portal can see our movement is far more kind of sort of raggedy and and or precise because we've got the And or ludicrous as our hands are consistently dabbing. Yeah. (laughs) And I think Ross put this out on the the Twitter, but there was a bit where you were just like, you, you were like, Rob, come here, come here, come here, come here. And I was running around trying to track you down. And then you're just, I finally find you, and you're just standing in front of this other guy. And your hands are just wildly flailing around his head, just going, look at this guy's head. Look at this guy's head. Isn't it mad? Isn't it mad? And in your exuberance, you invited him to our party. And all of a sudden, (laughs) we have this guy from California going, what's up, guys? (laughs) What's going on? And then Ross very eloquently just goes, 
Uh, sorry, buddy. <laughs> I was admiring your head. Now, if ever there has been a great, for, well, for me anyway, encapsulation of the potential of the fun of just multiplayer games experience, but also I felt very immersed in the moment there. That because I wasn't in the room, I was in that space station because the headset, and you interacted with a guy, and then he responded in kind, and then like he was like, "Hey, let me show you all these planets I have," and I was like, "It, it just spiraled." That was that's a really fun multiplayer experience that I've had very recently. That's hard to replicate. I could only have been created by Ross, by the way. <laughs> so I said this to you. Oh, and you bailed, actually, by the way. You you started the conversation and then Ross has left. Now that left the I got disconnected. <laughs> I wasn't just like, Well, fuck <laughs> this. <laughs> you can handle this, Rob. I started a situation and I am not finishing it. <laughs> but it was like that that was because I have to say, no, VR is all about trying to, you know, create a reality that you think you're in. And there's never a more akin to reality moment because me and you when we would go for pints in dublin or london or fucking even abroad skiing or whatever whatever. no matter where we are we would go for pints and we'd end up chatting to random people and we'd end up on these like misadventures of us being like half drunk and irish and people seem to like that and we'd end up in random places Mm. or whatever kind of crazy stuff and all of a sudden that exact situation was just playing itself out but in a video game where we're in a spaceship and that's <laughs> in, VR. in VR that's what I was because so, I was like am I going to point to my hand here what is happening because remember the way I was making my hands move because he put on he was able to put this like speech to text thing that translated his like put actually in, no, sorry not translated <laughs> it inscribed his text on screen and I was just like using my hands to be like like pointing at it to be like well, what, what is this well, what is this and, like and he was obviously like these guys are fucking Egypt because he was just laughing at me and you as we were like like tapping our hands on our head and like scratching our heads and being like what is going on <laughs> oh it was good fun oh that was good crack but yeah like that, that for me just kind of reminded I was like, it's like it became more of a gimmick and that's a good moment to highlight it it's like that was that was a fun gaming moment that I really I think was only facilitated because we had VR oh, I there is, so it has its there was another great moment a few minutes later when the guy was like look follow me to this kind of stargate thing and I'll show you my planet <laughs> so he uh, jetpacked up to this area that I didn't know about I jetpacked up after him and I was like oh we gotta <laughs> we just gotta wait for Rob now <laughs> and like Rob for a good five minutes was just like jetpacking <laughs> around the entire area of the platform but just kept missing the platform and obviously in VR in, v- in VR when you're watching this it's like somebody just goes above you misses the thing and just falls straight down so I was just like leaning over Aww. the edge of this platform waving down and again I could just hear the guy just laughing in the background as I was like come on Rob come on Rob what are you going to do we were like me and this random Californian guy were bullying Rob in VR. It was just so perfect. <laughs> oh, it was actually art imitating life. It was kind of unsettling how cl- uh, that moment, that that moment really hit home. <laughs> that fucking jetpack is very difficult. Ah, <laughs> oh. oh yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I think we both had our moments. We actually bookended it perfectly. I think. I yeah, I think so. Because I had an embarrassing. Boy, did I end it. I, I think he might have thought initially. Maybe these guys are capable, you know, uh, you know, tenured VR players. <laughs> nope, this guy hasn't a fucking clue how to use the most basic control in the game. He's just flying all over the I place. I was just trying to do one of those like fist pumping motions at the start, and if you do that in the game, that's what it, that's what invited <laughs> him to the party. And I was like, Oh, Rob, I think I've invited him to the. And then he was like, Hey, guys. I was like, Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, it was all excellent. To not not to dwell on it, but what I think that highlight for me is like it does have potential. I'm, I'm not sure what the actual player count for it is, but because I was always expecting them to bring out like a like a PSVR 2.0 during its life cycle because it seemed to have been a success. You know, a slow burner, but consistently kind of selling throughout its life cycle. But they didn't ultimately do that. It's just been the one version. Um, so I'm wondering now, are they going to do it like a, a 2.0 for the PS5? Because it's proven to be more than a gimmick, I think, for the players that have it at least. What do you think? I, I reckon. I reckon that's the plan. That they probably they might do a built-in, not maybe not a built-in thing, but they'll do a very a very early version two for it. Because I mean, dreams. Oh Jesus! I I hope it's built in. I don't think. Oh, I don't because it's be. such a fucking mess of cables. <laughs> like, it's in. You don't need to add another box, another mini console. It's a pain in the five hundred wires to get that thing set up now. But do you know what? We could have a really asinine thing, like a conversation about like specs and details and all that. And that's kind of what I had planned for this. But you know what? I think the best thing and a statement of where we are with VR, the PSVR is that we just had a conversation for like 10, 15 minutes there laughing our asses off about an interaction we had as if, as if you know what, as if that happened to us. And I think... Yeah, exactly, like it was yeah, there. The last, I think the last word of VR is that, that that happened and that's more than I would have ever expected for it. So that's, I'm perfectly Absolutely. happy it to... De- yeah, it delivers on the immersion that they promised, which I was always like suspect of from the outset but yeah fair play i enjoyed it i'm glad i have it also you're able to do a hilarious virtual hug where you put your arms around somebody and i imagine it really unsettles people when you do it and i should probably not say that that oh god i sound like some kind of weird creeper anyway uh so rob now now you sound like one welcome to strikes my fancy the discussion-based podcast about everything that well you guessed it strikes my fancy every friday i bring a guest to the table to talk about something new and interesting from craziest fandom theories to mental health awareness and every little thing in between no topic is off limits send your topic ideas to strikes my fancy podcast at gmail.com or drop me a line and let me know you want to be on the show so tell me what strikes your fancy <laughs> to move on, let's cover. We got one more thing. Well, actually, we got a little bit more things, but the, the second last thing, I guess, to talk about, and this is a question that I've been wanting to ask for a while because it's been set up for a, for a good long time. But we've already covered our mm. favorite like DC EU movie. We've already covered our favorite like Avengers movie and Marvel movie and stuff. And also, I'd like to highlight before I do this, I put up a poll on Twitter, two polls, one to see which was the best out of Man of Steel, Justice League, and Batman versus Superman. Man of Steel crushed the opposition. I then used the other DC films and Wonder Woman crushed the opposition. I'm going to now pit them against each other. Man of Steel versus Wonder Woman to see who wins in a take-all, kill-all, win-fest. I, I kill-all, take-all, win-fest. <laughs> Listen, learn, develop. Da- deliver, damn it. That's what they should have called the Hunger Games. The Hunger Games series. Kill-all, take-all, win-fest. I believe that was the original. Mocking the original Jay, part yeah, one. So there you go. But um, yes, I'm going to ask Rob, what... Is your favorite non-Marvel and non-DC comic book movie? Now, again, if you want me to kind of lead at this one, I can do that. But if you have one off the top of your head, I well, interesting enough, I, I suspect I know what your one is, but maybe you'll maybe you'll prove me wrong. And actually, I had to have a good think about this, and I am ready with an answer. Excellent, you go I think for this it. This might intrigue you. I think it'll make for good conversation. But what I had to do, I realized is that uh, this is the case, I'm sure, for a lot of listeners and folks out there. There are far more films that you probably like or aware of that are already comic book like adaptions, technically speaking. Very technically speaking, um, I, have, I have a good few here to try. Very to. technically, but I guess it still counts. Otherwise, like where do you draw the cutoff? The only the only criteria I had was just non DC or non Marvel, which 
removes a lot of the mainstream ones, to be fair. But I had a good think about it. Um, my jumping off point was Scott Pilgrim versus the world. We might return to that in a little bit. One that I've always gone back to, and I knew this was a comic book, is uh, or a series, is Snowpiercer, the film, not the TV series that came out recently on Netflix. Um, always loved... Actually, the guy who directed that directed feckin' Oscar-winning film this year, the Korean guy, the... Come on. Uh, uh, you, uh, you, you can get there. Uh, uh, the, Starts with a P, ends with an it. Parasite, Parasite. <laughs> Snow Parasite, that's what it's yeah. called. But um, so that that's really that's got a really really distinct style and mood and to- and it's just it's re- it plays out really satisfyingly a- a- along sort of the the two hour runtime. But after a lot of deliberation with just myself, um, I've settled on V for Vendetta as my favorite. Oh, okay, wow, I did I did not did not ex- oh, see which that one coming. I doubt you were expecting at all. Oh, I certainly <laughs> was not. I certainly was not. That is an odd film. I'll put it right up there and say that film is odd. It's an unusual one. But I've rewatched that film multiple times. It's one of those ones that I've never really necessarily sought it out except for the first time I saw it. But whenever it's been on, I've been like, oh, I've always found this interesting and I've left it on. And I've enjoyed it more and more each time because of the way the story rounds out. I I didn't know it was a comic book film, by the way. I thought it was just this zany original story. But for those who aren't aware, it's this. it's about this guy who you don't know much about other than the fact that he dresses up as a guy f- and it's like it's like in this it's in this postmodern sort of dystopian uh london setting um it's got uh, hugo weaving as v that's all you know him as and which which yes that's agent smith from the matrix yes you're correct in saying that and it's got natalie portman as kind of the initial vehicle she's still the main character even though it's about him she gets a lot of the she kind of drives a lot of the story and she basically the idea is that in this dystopian world the news is controlled you with striking parallels to today's existence I mean, actually yeah, think 1984 here is what you're thinking it's like that inspired by 1984 i think was the idea behind the original comic book she discovers this guy and he's 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 a mass vigilante in the fort and he has a, a guy fox mask on and which is significant because the government is completely uh, corrupt and almost like a dictatorship in the way that it's run it's 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 this and he is like guy fox obviously historically being a symbol um of anti-government that's why he dresses up like that and he has this grand plan to sort of destabilize it and all of the while you learn more about this very mysterious character v and um what his background is and like how he escaped from this feckin' hmm? mental scientific asylum kind of thing. He he actually captures Natalie Portman. It's this very kind of weird, ambiguous story that kind of slowly plays out. I, I, I can see it's not how it's not everybody's cup of tea, but I liked the moodiness. I liked the sort of I always like that dystopian feel. I love there's an incredible scene with a bit of soundtrack where Natalie Portman has been captured. Spoilers ahead by the way. Uh she's been in this like this concrete cold prison room for weeks and she's been just losing her marbles. Uh, and one day she um she the door is just left open in this prison she's in and the whole time she was just in v's uh apartment it's like and you're like what the fuck is going on <laughs> there's just this bit where like she slowly kind of like walks onto this balcony as it's raining and this music swells and it gives you a real sense of the significance of the moment and it's a real it's a real for me it's like an iconic both musical sort of moment in film and also just an, an amazing character moment in it like a i guess technically a comic book film um also some really fun action sequences he's got a really satisfying kind of visual style when he's fighting he's got these two akai blades aki blades or you know those sort of those throwing sort of kn- knives that you have that Raphael from the turtles has 
yes, like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, yeah. yeah, that kind of stuff. But yeah, he's um just got this unique side. He's he's sort of super stre- superhuman strength. I'm not really describing the film very well, other than the fact that I I haven't watched it recently, so I'm kind of just jumping off what I can remember. But I just always remember really enjoying it when yeah. I've seen it. So I'm not sure I, what your I opinion. I got two on it things is. to say, just just to clarify. So the first thing is. The only thing you and I have in common is that we're both about to die. That's one of his lines <laughs> in the film. Uh, and secondly, before anybody starts getting on to us about, because this is from Vertigo, I believe, and Vertigo is like an offshoot of DC or something. It's not a mainstream Marvel or DC film, so quit your whining, guys, all right? There you go. That's that's our... Oh, thank you. for. That's why you're on the pod. Yes. That's why you're here. Yeah, you know it. Thank you for that cover. I actually really enjoyed the film as well. I, I actually, it's like great, great, like not, not even cinematography, but some of the scene is it's an atmosphere. atmosphere. There you go. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, it's the it's, atmosphere. It has the oppression super. down. It has the oppressive nature of down. And he is Hugo Weaving is excellent in it. He is excellent. He's got such a good voice for it. That that voice fits that mask face, which is an insane yes. fit to find. And even the posters like and all that brilliant. for the film are really cool and really recognizable and stuff like that. So and it's actually it's actually yeah, quite they, well liked. Don't yeah. think it was like tremendously did tremendously well at the time but actually retrospectively people seem to enjoy it a lot more it's one of those ones you can really enjoy with with uh with uh rewatches so yeah i encourage people to watch that i certainly of the non sort of marvel dc that's the one that i really appealed to me as i was doing my research i was like ah no i that's that yes i like that i'm really i'm glad you said snowpiercer as well because there's some ones that are like you people don't think of for instance last night i watched edge of tomorrow and that is based on a Japanese manga, which is technically a mm-hmm. cartoon or a comic. Um, there's ones like Men in Black is is originally based on a comic book. There's Road to Perdition, which is a comic book originally, which is very, very unusual. Yeah. Uh, but for me, it's a really tricky one because there's two films. There's two films that always go, that always stick to my mind. And I don't know. I think one of them shades. It's, the two films are obviously Scott Pilgrim vs. The World. And the other yes, film is Kick-Ass. Oh, of course. Now, yeah. Kick Ass, again, before somebody jumps on me, is I think it's Icon, which is again, is a basically Marvel created uh, uh, an offshoot of their brand so that they could keep all their A list creators, but they could make all their old creation, creator content work. So basically, they got to do their own things. So technically, look, people are going to be like, oh, it's Marvel. It's not Marvel. So I love. It's just owned by yeah, them. I love Kick Ass. I watched yeah. it. It was actually on Sky One the other night. It's a brilliant film. Nicholas Cage is that big daddy character putting on the Adam <laughs> West Batman impression when he's like you got to listen to me uh, ass kick he even puts on the, like he does the the pauses in the speech there's some amazing action scenes in the film uh, really good character work kind of unusual film from a Mark Millar comic book but I just I just think I've always loved Scott Pilgrim. It's always been so near and dear to my heart. I, I think I and I've never read the comics, the Brian Lee O'Malley comics. Never read them. But that film is That is surprising. Just so up my street, like. Well, it's and it and it's funny because we we say non Marvel DC comic books films. If ever there is like if you were to look up comic book film in a dictionary, surely it would be Scott Pilgrim, because they literally like take the pains from the original comic and just transpose them perfectly into a really effective stylized visual like form with the film like it's 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 not copying in the sense that oh they just lazily copied it they took that for inspiration and built on it really effectively it looks incredible kick ass does the same 
and it has a piece in it of 3D art by the, the artist from the original uh, John Ramata Jr. from the original Kick-Ass comic. Mm. But I just think Scott Pilgrim infuses all the kinetic energy of a video game because it's very much based on their lo- on like Scott's love of video games, all the characters' love of video games. I think that because usually I'm like it doesn't work better in a visual medium on film. I love comics so much, but I think what I had to do here it works so good on screen. Like, look, the story is Scott Pilgrim basically falls in love with this girl. She has seven evil exes. They all try to fight him. It's all like a video game. The old Sonic soundtrack. When he goes for a pee, there's like a ring, but like a bar, a pee bar that comes up. It has the Sonic ring sound and all that jazz. You know what I mean? It's just, it's it's so good, but it's so frenetic. Directed by Edgar yeah. Wright, our old enemy, who actually yeah, got in contact with us once on Twitter for mistakenly calling our him. Our old uh, enemy. I forgot he was our enemy. Because <laughs> he, call, I, I accidentally said, congratulations for you know directing x-men first class which is of course matthew vaughn who directed kick-ass who did kick-ass just ridiculous when you think about it but that was they're always inextricably linked and that's obviously what happened to my brain and obviously went surely to god they're probably the same person right but uh yeah but look i just the music to, to scott pilgrim just the story everything i know a lot of people it's very very chalk and cheese it's people who love it love it to the core People who dislike it seem to dislike it greatly. But I, I could still watch it this mm. day. I used to get drunk all the time with an old friend of mine years ago and just put that film on at three o'clock in no. the morning and watch it for the whole time. Like so it just can relate. Yeah. To that poor friend of yours. There's <laughs> like a support group for you guys. <laughs> oh what, what I think what's amazing as well about um yeah, just the, the visual side, like they literally take the poofs and the pows, the punches, they superpose them in there. But also, if you're going to take someone, like if you have to take something that has a distinct visual style, and like no nobody better than Edgar Wright who understands visual comedy when you look at his other films. I, I, saw, I think there's, maybe it was the Nerdwriter guy on YouTube who wrote a piece just about how comedy in mainstream American films in particular seems to be quite lazy. Like the, the dialogue is just sort of like brass, brash or rude or kind of crass. But then, like the actual camera work, there's something inventive. Whereas for him, every camera move it, it, like lends itself to the comedy. Like when some, when a character leaves off screen or or comes on screen or when just panning left right, simple things like just change up the dynamic of what's happening like works perfectly. Especially, I guess, for Scott Pilgrim, so effectively that he even makes Michael Sarah look effective in like hand to hand combat. Who you would imagine he's pretty wooden for that kind of thing but like he it he really makes he pulls it off is guess i guess what i'm saying yeah which is impressive and i just the whole like you can see how much edgar wright obsessed over the movie because there's so many little, like nod, nods and touches in it that it, it, it's so you can rewatch that film a hundred times and get something new out of it every time also the cast unbelievable and like little people who just come on the screen brie larson aubrey plaza chris evans who has like two lines and both of them are hilarious it's just such a brilliant cast a brilliant cast. it's such a good film to go back to now and watch and go jesus everybody here everyone in this film has made it huge since the film was released and it's just a, it's just oh, yeah. a good film to go back to i was gonna say because i know you know i always talk about transformers technically i could argue that transformers is a comic book movie but if i was to argue that because they did start off as comics but if i was to argue that they also started off with as Marvel Comics, so technically it would be a Marvel Comics film. That's my logic there. That's how I'm getting out of it. Well, like, why would you have picked 
Well, I mean, most of the Transformers films are absolutely But there's the shite, Transformers so animated 1986 movie that you know I love. So, oh, you know okay. I mean? There is that. Yes. There is that old. See, gravity. He's a gravity <laughs> devil, my this cat. guy. He knows his stuff. Actually, Joe, Scott Pilgrim was, it was, it's, it reached its 10 year anniversary there very recently because Edgar Wright was going absolutely mental on Instagram and Twitter, sharing loads of set photos and like, just lo- like for um, like a full like month nearly of just photos of him going, oh, it's the 10 year anniversary. Here's loads of stuff every day about Scott Pilgrim. He clearly adored making it. It was obviously a dream project for him. It's just a pity it didn't really sell. But, which culminated <laughs> in, of course, they did a live reading over Zoom with all the actors. And yes, they did. Even yeah. though he only has the two lines, Captain America, Chris Evans himself, stayed Our on buddy. the whole hour and a half leading up to his two lines before he left the Zoom call. And he was so pleasant and so cool about it. And I'd say everyone else is like, holy Jesus, that's Chris Evans. Like, <laughs> It's fucking Captain America of Snowpiercer of fame. <laughs> as well, of Snow Parasite fame. Of Snow Parasite. The legendary Snow Parasite. Chris Evans. <laughs> But yeah, that's my... And you know what, guys? Get in touch. If you guys have, like, crazy films that are like, this is actually based in the comic that you don't know about and stuff like that, get in touch with us. Mm. Let us know. We want to know yours. Let us know, yeah. The more obscure, the better, or the ones that you that people have forgotten are actually comic books. Like, I was, like, doing some honorable honorable mentions here. I thought it'd be fun, Ross, that we could do. Go for it. I have some good ones, too. Uh, Oblivion, I've learned, is is technically a comic book. Is it? 300, of course. Yeah. Yeah, with Tom Cruise, um, three hundred, obviously was is was I I don't know that maybe that divides some people. I think it's actually a pretty honest recreation, but it's not you know creative. It just borrows from the the, the graphic novel very heavily. Mm. Are we counting graphic novels? Oh, we're hundred we're one hundred percent counting graphic novels. The Mask. The Mask. There you go. Book? The Mask was a comic book. Good, good one by the way. Uh, the Kingsman. Kingsman is a good one, or the first one was a good one. Again, um, Kingsman. Sin City is obviously. Sin City is obviously a, a comic which lo- literally looks like one. Atomic Blonde that came out very recently, which is actually a bit of Charlie's a Charlie's Theron, which, right? Charlie's yeah. Theron, Theron. Also, yeah, that's, that's you might that. notice Watchmen as well. There you go. But you might notice a connective tissue between a lot of these. So everything we've mentioned, pretty much except for Scott Pilgrim, really, has been written by Mark Millar. So there's like Wanted, Kick-Ass, stuff like that. Um, has been oh, directed oh, yeah. by Matthew Vaughn has been directed by Zack Snyder and has been written by either Alan Moore or, oh my God, his name just left my head. Anyway, Frank Miller. Oh, Frank I got Miller, it. Um, go. Jonathan Reese myers Yeah, that's it, oh. yeah. But uh, there's a, like, that's amazing because there's, there's <laughs> such a small pool of both comic writers and film directors who are occupying that space for so long. It's actually quite it's interesting. Insane. It's insane. It's madness. Because you'd wonder who has the same creative vision that could, or a different creative vision that could make it far more interesting. But I think... What's always interesting is that the the standalone ones have often have far more of a unique, distinct style and tone and atmosphere, like we talked about. When we think of our three hundreds and our Oblivions and our Scott Pilgrims and Snowpiercers and all that, versus the mainstream Marvel and DC stuff, like like actually the MCU is criticized regularly mm-hmm. as one of the main criticisms is that the color and the tone and the atmosphere is quite lifeless a lot of Too the time. Too rigid to do aesthetic. Yeah, yeah. Like well, like Thor Ragnarok tried to break the mold a little bit. Um, same with Guardians, I think, especially the second one. But ultimately, you know, they still really fall into that trap of, well, this is the bloody template, so you know, slap her on there. Whereas that's why when the, the other ones are standalone, they actually have more room to breathe, which I think that's what makes some of them very memorable and more and more interesting. And actually, you can argue because a lot of the creator-owned work 
they, people tend to this is just on, on in general people tend to put a lot more love and, and, and care into it because it's their own independent work so the films obviously yeah. reflect a good bit of that yes Boy, does but it. Rob well, there we you were go. talking about VR and to hilariously yeah. segue into our last segment <laughs> do you want to cover the uh, <laughs> our, 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 our most famous most famous little bit <laughs> our legendary segment um Hey Ross, hey Ross, look at these. This is a segment where I find a video somewhere on YouTube in the depths and the murkiness of YouTube and I send it on to Ross and then I get him to react and give his honest opinions sort of live on air in the podcast without any real prompts or scripts. So Ross, you want to talk us through what I sent you this evening? Rob sent me a trailer for a film by David Cronenberg (laughs) called... (laughs) Existence with a Z, by the way. I'd like to highlight that. So that's Existence. Yeah. And it stars, is, mm. is it Jennifer Jason Lee and Jude Law? Yes. Yeah. So now, now Rob sent me this trailer and I imagine he thought to himself, this film and this trailer is insane. Ross is going to be totally caught off guard. But you know what? <laughs> I've seen this film. You're kidding. No, you I have not seen I swear in my this. life, I came home <laughs> one day, it was like, probably halfway into the film or something like that and I remember I couldn't tear my eyes off it because it's so insane it's so (laughs) David Cronenberg it's not even funny essentially the premise is that people have these what's what's essentially a VR headset that they go into a they go into an alternate reality an alternate universe kind of thing and they have to a different existence different existence and they get to play a game there but as you can even see in the trailer and the funniest part is is that it being David Cronenberg the VR things or the things they plug into are these weird pulsating little flesh yolks they have to literally (laughs) plug into the bottom of their fucking back like it's disgusting and then like at one point in the trailer you even see it like recede entirely back into his body like and it's just disgusting it's like think of that thing in the matrix they plug into the back of their head if it was a weird living flesh creature and it's like even the, they get guns it's in awful. the game and they have to shoot each other with the guns but even the guns you see them put together are made of weird flesh things and you're like come on man uh, do you, I mean does everything have to be so physically disgusting uh, film's random film is random as heck Jude Law in his most absolute wooden even the trailer you're like come on Jude Jesus uh, William Dafoe I was early days for the poor fella. It was fella. early days for the poor fella. William Dafoe absolutely chewing that scene as if it's popcorn. Like, <laughs> oh, it's 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 all. I haven't seen the full film. I just know the trailer. The whole point was that it was supposed to be on theme with like wacky sci-fi films in you know within the same sort of vein uh, as June. And it's like perfect. Johnny, like somebody just watched either Lawnmower Man or Johnny Mnemonic and went, let's get a virtual reality thing going. And then it being David Cronenberg, he was like, so we have to have like a flesh creature with an umbilical cord coming out of it that they can like wrap their toes around frequently in the trailer. <laughs> David, I'm not so sure we should. It's in the film. <laughs> it's there. I've already made it. I've already made it. That's, yeah. <laughs> oh, this wasn't a request. Here. That's the film. Here it is. I, I always laughed. At, I think that, like everything is so viscous and fleshy and ugh and slimy in his stuff. But that that and it, that has such that is that film is that sort of genre in the nineties. So you can only imagine how just 
uncomfortable. Like it honestly is nauseating looking at some bits. It's too. It's so slimy. But what also I thought was funny is the gun that Jude has, the the creature gun, really reminded me of Rick and Morty with the interdimensional guys. You know the bit where he goes, "Oh my god, you killed my gun!" You know that bit. Ah, uh, y- yes. I, I was just like, I wonder is that a, a sneaky? Be, they clearly love because those guys are. Oh, yeah, they love all that. And weird they love stuff, David Cronenberg because so. they have that whole episode where the Cronenberg Morty. Remember? They actually. Turn yeah, so the maybe the gun is. So I was wondering, maybe that gun is a reference to existence. Realistically, it probably is. Also, you should try and watch that film. It's 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 pure. Try being the absolute pure nineties slimy is a perfect word filth. to describe it. Filth. Yeah, pure slimy filth. Absolute nineties filth. Slimy filth. Okay, I'm gonna put my VR headset back on now. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'll, I'll, I'll stay over here, actually. <laughs> Rob. And with, oh. with that slimy filth, Rob, we've done it. We've, we've reached the end oh. of yet another episode of I Understood That Reference. That was funny. Oh, congratulations. We got there. We got through it. I, we were remarkably precise with our topics. We got through each one in due course. We don't need the smallest bit of slimy filth. Yeah, we didn't we didn't spend too much time in the murk, in the filth, the slime. <laughs> it's probably for the best. But look, guys, thanks for sticking oh, yeah. with us. Um, we've got a whole library of episodes that you can get, 37 of them. Oh, yeah. Lots of good topics there, lots of interesting stuff. But if one was to want to do that, Rob, where would one find us? Ah, oh, you're getting clever these days. Um, there, uh, ooh, capunderstands.com. That can be your jumping off point. Start there. That's the website. we got all the episodes that are put up there. Um, along with links to some other fun content and the Twitter and this and, and other bits, but also if you know when you just want to listen to the episodes, SoundCloud is great, Spotify equally great, um, Apple Podcasts that's decent too. Um, it, we're also on uh, Pod uh, Tail, uh, of course, uh, Pod Nation. We're on that. Oh, Pod Nation on the Pod Chaser platform, but a lovely group of uh, uh, sort of fellow podcasters on that list there. Um, uh, Ross manages our Twitter account. That's at at cap understands so you'll get us there and of course you can just email us directly with the lads at cap understands so plenty of outlets and vehicles for you to direct your attention to us so why don't you just use all of them that's that'd be my recommendation use all of them and you know what guys as i said it's, it's my birthday at the weekend and we it mention is. our friend cara quite regularly and he's in ireland and i might even get to meet him can you believe this it's like a, it's like a birthday wish. crucially ross it was also his birthday very recently as well. I haven't forgot, but I did actually forget to get him something. So I will do that before I meet him. And I know he doesn't listen to this, so we're in the clear. <laughs> uh, excellent. Excellent stuff. Oh, it's true. Super stuff. It is true. But anyway, I think we did it. We did it, right? We got our card reference in there. Bingo. Bingo for those folks, by the way. Bingo. Bingo is right. And look, you know where to follow us. Get in touch with us, guys. Get involved. There's lots of stuff. There's lots of episodes. We've got a website. There's a million things to do with us. And we'll keep it coming. And thanks for listening. And thanks for voting for us on platforms. And you know what? There is only one thing that remains to be said. And that is, I am Ross. Uh, uh, and I'm uh, Rob. And this has been I Understood That Reference. Thanks so much for listening. Happy birthday yeah, yeah. to me. Happy birthday. Oh, don't you. Dear Ross. Happy birthday, dear Carl. Hey. <laughs> I got the two of you in one go there. Yeah, that's it. That's your <laughs> present to Carl. <laughs> <laughs>